Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, a fun fact, this podcast was actually born out of a newsletter that we started way back in 2012. Yes, that is before Substack was even born. People really seem to like it, and we think you will too, especially if you like this podcast. It is a quick hit list of 10 things we've discovered recently that we love. Everything from recipes to beauty products to books to tools to truly anything that excites us, like an Instagram post we saw and just can't stop thinking about. We send it every Monday, except for some holidays that we take off, like saying people, and it is free. Sign up at a thing or two hq.com. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for a secret menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. I'm so excited for our guest thingies guest today. Oh my I, God. She's just a dream. We both like, we're ended. We're like, when do we get to see her in person? When can we hang when out? When can we be friends? <laughs> Val Monroe, former long, long time editor of Beauty oh, Director. Oprah Beauty Magazine. Director. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Beauty Director of Oh, the Oprah Magazine. And now has this incredible substack called How Not to Fuck Up Your Face, which will just feel like your like wisest, most sagacious friend writing to you about beauty and life and aging and you will feel so and loving yourself yeah but like not in a way that feels goony and cheesy yeah I she she oh I just I hope she'll be our friend I think we have a chance I think we can I think we can parlay this podcast uh <laughs> appearance into a, a real life friendship <laughs> we had something we wanted to talk about before we brought Vithal on yeah, because I forged your signature the other day and then <laughs> bragged to you about it, but also had been doing it for a while and forgot to tell you. But basically, I just feel annoying sometimes slacking you a thing and being like, can you sign this? And Or like the thing's kind of time sensitive. And you taught me this incredible trick years ago that the preview app on Mac and probably like Adobe Acrobat Reader too has this thing under the annotate menu where you go to, or so you go to tools, annotate, it allows you to sign, put your signature on a piece of paper, hold it up to your computer camera, take a picture of it with your computer camera, and it will flip it. And then you can just very easily insert your signature into any document. It's magical. So magical and wonderful. And it just occurred to me it would be so nice to have yours in there too. Yes. And I have Thomas's on mine, which is like that's my, yeah, nice for very the same smart. reason. Yeah. 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 
And I, again, apparently just didn't want to bug you. Like, God knows what you were doing this day that I <laughs> Apparently, I am very important. <laughs> very important. But I thought, I will just forge her signature on a piece of paper, take a picture of it, and I'll always have it. And your signature is just three loops. And then I'd been doing it for a while and then remembered one day that I wanted to brag to you about it and and get your get you not to be not to say oh that's fine with me I I knew it would be fine with you I wanted you to say oh that is impressive that does look like my signature and I thought you did I thought a really I did, nice job I thought you did a really nice job I, I thought too. my feedback was too nice it, it's a <laughs> bit too nice well um, that's always the play the problem when somebody forges someone else's signature right I think that's right you you gotta like I think there's a little bit of looseness or just like flippancy mm-hmm. that it lacked like it yes. looked like you were trying to sign something and I'll tell you what my signature is three loops but Sometimes it's two and a half. Like it's just not, (laughs) it has so much less feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is basically a line at this point, which would be tremendously disappointing to my 12 year old self. Really? Your 12 year old self wanted a fancy signature. Well, it's more just that my 12 year old self was obsessed with signatures. And I think, I think a lot of young women are. Yeah. 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 I know I I wasn't alone. Young men think about this really, (laughs) or like not the ones I grew up with. I don't think so either. I mean, I know that I practiced my signature all the time. Totally. Yeah. But when I went through phases, because I had for a while in like grade school, probably beginning of junior high, had a a star over my eye Mm, um, that I like, I don't remember how it It connected from the E. Uh, it can't, actually sorry, it connected a, from the A. a. Thank you. From yeah, the a, that's yeah. what I meant. My, oh, my you know name what? is the one that ends in E. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, it was sort of like the A became a star almost, minus oh, one arm, if you can picture okay. it. It was a capital A. And I. Oh, okay, I can absolutely picture it. I cannot. I feel like you've shown it to me now that I'm I can show it. it to you here. Um, it was the. It was. Yep. It was wow. four sides of a star. Incredible. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Incredible. Yeah, it could have been worse, I guess. <laughs> it could have been worse. I'll tell you how. Tell me how. Because mine was worse. And I even just writing the notes for this episode, I, my face got red. I got embarrassed because I, my thing, and I believe it started in fifth grade, was that extending from the E, I uh-huh. would come back, bring the line back around to dot the I, but instead of just a dot, I would make a fish. Oh, like swimming over uh-huh. swimming over the yeah, and then I uh-huh. do- the the eye the dot of the eye was the eye of the fish, and then there wow. were three lines uh-huh. for the gills of uh-huh. the fish. It is so awful and embarrassing, but it was really into it, and that was just my thing because I was so obsessed with the idea of signatures. I think the reason is that because when you're that age, nobody wants your signature. Nobody. So the idea of anybody caring about your signature is a major signifier of adulthood because at some point the flip switches. People want it constantly to the point where it is exhausting how much people want your signature. And then you became what we are now and what our parents were then where it's so, you have to do it so much that you couldn't possibly put effort into it. It's so indecipherable. And how glamorous is that, that so many people want your signature that you couldn't possibly be bothered to write out all the letters. Okay. So both of your parents have like indistinguishable sign- or Completely like have sloppy make absolutely no sense. So my dad has a signature that's, you know, loops and then a big C with a squiggle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could and I could I could forge that signature uh with ease because again, it just requires yeah. a pen and looking in the other direction. Um <laughs> My mom would like fully write out her name and like it was very legible. And I can remember being at a grocery, being at the grocery stores when she would write a check and like God, mm. just like I, I talk about glamour, talk about glamour. 
writing a check at the grocery store and then her writing out, you know, $74.22 mm. and then signing her name and then tearing it out and then handing it over. And then, and then wait, there's more. The cashier stamping the back of the check mm. and then taking down her driver's license information yes. because that's how they had to like verify yes, all you of always, these things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then running it through the register to get like Claire, I was like, <laughs> how are we still here? <laughs> Like, and like, obviously you can't control most of that process, but I was like, the signature has to be just like, it has to be the fastest I mean, you were right about that. Young Erica was right about that. I, did you ever in school have that lesson where you all had to learn how to write a check? Yes. In fifth grade, we had to pretend to spend a million dollars and write checks for everything that, of things we like cut out of circulars from, you know, the newspaper. A million dollars? Well, you had to buy houses and cars. You had to buy houses and cars. (laughs) No. And you were finding houses and cars in the circular? Well, like in the like they would ads in the it. newspaper. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah, was a yeah. different time. Yeah, I mean, totally. I was so excited about that because much like signatures, checks symbolized adulthood. I was so excited to write checks. I could not wait to write checks. Oh my gosh, getting a checkbook? What a joy. What, what was I joy. writing checks for? <laughs> what on earth was I writing checks for? I just think I gave up on, I gave up on signature. I gave up on handwriting. I used to like pride myself in having you know, nice handwriting and also mm-hmm. tried. And you do. I don't. Well, it's nicer than mine. I can. I don't think that's true. I don't think well, that's true. We I think we both can. have the. No, not everyone can. That's I've true. seen some people who cannot have nice handwriting. Why though? Why do men in general have such bad handwriting? I'll tell you what. I have a husband with very good handwriting. He's an exception to a lot of like generalizations <laughs> about men. <laughs> yeah. A lot of sweeping, unfair generalizations that I will make about men do not apply to your husband. Yeah, he has great penmanship um, Mm -hmm. and he like makes fun of my penmanship. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a real it's a real thing in our house. I mean, sometimes you will like hold up a notebook and be like, what does this say? Sometimes that's kind. With some amount of regularity, I will show you something that I've written on my to do list and ask you what it says. And nothing will keep me up at night more than having something on my to-do list that I cannot read because I've written it down so sloppily. Of course, I'm always thinking it's something incredibly important, despite the fact, obviously, if it were that important, I will remember it eventually. Obviously, obviously. I do just think that at a certain point with with handwriting, it was like, only I'm reading this. Like, this is Mm -hmm. not for a broader audience. If I need to write a card for someone, I can make my handwriting perfectly, like, legible. But in my to-do list, it doesn't – it's not for – my problem population. is that be- because I've fallen out of practice, I have a hard time making it nice even for a note card. Yeah. And I did at some point have really beautiful handwriting in high school and college. And I would love to get back to that place because I think it'd be nice in general for even my to-do list, I think, to just be easier to read. My diary, for example. But you have to write so much to get there. And then remember like- That's the like, thing. You have to keep it. That's the thing. The reason we had good handwriting is because we did it all the time. Remember that like first week back at school, you'd get that like callus on your finger f- mm-hmm. from writing and holding a pencil again <laughs> of being like, oh my God, I haven't done. I've like lost wow, the like- yeah. Yeah. My hands aren't ready for this. Yeah. Str- no, I mean, strength train. <laughs> it, you're absolutely right. It would take so much writing for me to get back to that place. You it's not going to happen. It's right. fine. It's a, it's lost. It's fine. It's lost. It's You fine. once had it. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'll always have is your signature. Oh, my God. It's true. Oh, my God. What a nice closer.
Thank you so much to the Pill Club for sponsoring today's episode. I am so excited to be able to share a story that somehow relates to this that is just like, in my mind, iconic. So when I worked in magazines, a friend who was like very senior had an assistant and she was like very, very busy and just had like a lot going on. And one of the things that drove her absolutely bonkers was the process of picking up your birth control at the pharmacy, which was like, you know, every month this pill you have to get Mm -hmm. like a whole thing and you're waiting in line and whatever. It's like, it's never streamlined. Right. Because also the line at Wayne Reed on your lunch hour is not somewhere you want to be. In like midtown Manhattan. Like, Mm -hmm, come mm -hmm. on. Um, And so her assistant who could only be described as curmudgeonly, Mm -hmm. um, it was like on his monthly to-do list to go wait in line at the pharmacy. It was like a thing that happened with enough frequency and he would be so pissed about it and so crotchety about it. And it was definitely like a little bit of punishment too, of being like, (laughs) you have to go do this thing that is terrible. And like, listen, here's the thing. We don't have to do that anymore as a culture. (laughs) We're evolving (laughs) past that. Thanks to the pill club. Life is stressful enough and access to healthcare shouldn't be. Luckily getting birth control and sexual wellness products is one less thing you have to worry about. With the Pill Club, you'll never have to make a trip to the doctor or wait in line at the pharmacy or send your assistant to wait in line at the pharmacy (laughs) ever again. They provide access to care from the comfort of your home and delivery to your door. The Pill Club carries over 120 FDA-approved brands and ships to all 50 states. Most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, prices start as low as $7 per month without insurance. The Pill Club delivers birth control to your door for free in discreet packaging along with fun self-care gifts and goodies. And delivery is free. What's more, their licensed medical team is just a text away to give you the best reproductive health care. You can sign up for birth control in just five minutes. And when you become a patient, Pill Club will make a $10 donation to bedsider.org, which helps low-income individuals get access to birth control, funding things like medication and transportation costs. Right now, when you go to thepillclub.com slash a thing or two, the Pill Club is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every a thing or two listener who becomes a patient. Your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. That's thepillclub.com slash a thing or two to get your first birth control care package and donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember, thepillclub.com slash a thing or two. You must use the link to make a donation. I'm Topsy Bannon-Bosch, a mindset and emotional intelligence coaching consultant and a licensed mental health therapist. It's safe to say that I know a thing or two about how the brain works and how it impacts the decisions that we make in our businesses. And that's exactly why I created my new podcast, Crush the Mindset Spiral. Each Thursday, you'll hear my raw thoughts and unfiltered perspective about what it takes to run a successful business, plus the top mindset shifts that you'll need to get to your next level. Make sure to tune in for the premiere episode of Crush the Mindset Spiral. (laughs) Let's bring on Val Monroe. We like set her up um, and basically talked about how much we wanted to be her friend. And I think you will too. Her newsletter is called How Not to Fuck Up Your Face. um, And it is just tremendous. It's a substack. So you can find it at valeriemonroe.substack.com. Love it. Let's get Val on. Hi, Val. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. We're such fans of your newsletter, just like such massive fans. And it's like the sort of thing that in like previous lives, if Claire and I didn't have a Slack channel together, we definitely would have had 14, you know, forwarded it Mm -hmm. to each other and had like 14 (laughs) emails going back and forth about it. Um, And am I allowed to say, can I say what it's called? Of course. Tell us all about, tell us how you ended up doing it. Okay. So I, but first of all, it's called how not to 
And I'm going to say the word, right? Say the word, please. Okay, how, yeah. how not to fuck up your face. And when I write it out, I use a little asterisk for the you in fuck so, so that it's not as offensive as it might be to people who don't just don't like looking at the word. It's basically, it's for every woman who has a face because every woman who has a face has feelings about her face. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned when I was the beauty director at Oh, the Oprah Magazine I was there for almost 17 years, I think, 16 or 17 years. And I had a column that was called Ask Val. And the magazine was hugely, uh, widely read for the most time, most of the time I was there. In fact, at some point it was read by, I think it was like one in every eight women wow. in this country. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge audience. And I encouraged readers to write in to ask questions and, and women wrote all the time. And so I learned a lot about the way uh, women in this country feel about beauty issues and the beauty culture and, and the kinds of questions they have about it, and also how they feel about themselves, you know, as, as participants in the culture, which you can't avoid. And what I, one of the things I learned was that for many of us, the beauty culture has, is very punishing. And, you know, I don't mean to get like sad about this, but we are influenced in ways that are uh, generally not very good for our mental or physical health by a lot of what beauty culture is about. And so after I left the magazine, I left in 2017 because I was, I'd done it for a really long time. And what was happening in the magazine industry was really no fun. And then I kind of like cast around for about a year and a half and I really wanted to do something. And I, and a friend suggested Substack was just kind of starting. And someone said, you know, why don't you try something? And for months I thought about it. And then one day I sat down and I I had started to write something about how not to fuck up your face based on what I knew from my years at the magazine. And I started to write and I just, I couldn't stop. So for a writer, that's a pretty good indication that Mm -hmm. you should keep going, right? Because most of the time, you know, when I would start. That's not the feeling. Exactly. (laughs) And so I set up the Substack and, oh, actually I first posted on Facebook and asked people my small number of friends, you know, would anybody be interested in reading something called how not to fuck up your face, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I had a very robust response. So I started this thing and I had like 200 subscribers at first. And now I have a lot, a lot. The uh, speed of the growth of this thing has really astonished me. So I'm very happy. Well, it's really so full of, of a really distinct personality type that feels really warm and caring and honest that it doesn't feel like common mainstream internet speak these days. It feels, it feels like it harkens back to a day of like magazine columnists that that you could feel close to and that you, that you felt loyal to. And it it feels pretty singular in that way Uh, beyond just having really wonderful, like thoughtful advice on beauty and life and aging and all of it. That's so nice. Thank you. I think one of the things that that keeps me going, that makes it fun for me is is my intention. Mm -hmm. And my intention is to love the readers as much as possible. I want to love them to death, basically. And, And judging from the kind of response I get, they're feeling it. It really comes through. I really do feel like you are like, you know, that you're taking care of me. I really feel taken care of by your writing. I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad. It really comes through that intention. So, you know, I, one of the things I hope to do is to help you know, if you have feelings about your face, and especially as you age, it gets harder and harder to accept what's happening to your face. And I know this because I'm 71 and I've seen it happen for 20 years. I mean, everyone feels like 
you know, it's never going to happen to me. It's the same thing as death. You know, you think, well, that's <laughs> never going to happen to me. And then suddenly it starts to happen. You're like, whoa, shit. Right. So I just want to make people feel, you know, like nudge their feelings in the direction of better, no matter where they're starting. And I think, you know, to get into the weeds very quickly here, I think one of the main things that I, that I like to tell readers and I like to start out with is, is that one of the fundamental things we learn as women when we first look in the mirror is to objectify what we see. That is, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't see ourselves just as ourselves looking at ourselves or looking at at our image, the way we look at the image at the face of someone else in our life, our mother or sister or daughter, friend, we learn to objectify. So, and, and objectifying means that we're going to try to manipulate our appearance in some way to please the other whoever the other is, some imaginary person. And so, you know, from the time we're three, we start scanning our faces for flaws or, you know, trying to look like something else. And it's, as I said, in one of my columns, you know, if, if there ever was a bad idea, this is it because it limits us and damages us in so many ways. And if, if you can learn how to look at yourself without objectification, and you can do that by doing something that I, I learned called a mirror meditation, in which you look into your own eyes and you, and I wrote about this before I actually knew there was something called mirror meditation because I was doing it on the natch. But if you can look into your own eyes until you are able to see the person who lives there, basically, just as if you were looking into the eyes of, you know, your closest friend, you'll start to feel stuff. And, you know, basically this is called deep listening. It's like what you do as a really good friend, right? If a, if a girlfriend comes to you and says, you know, I've got a problem or I'm, I feel really fucked up. And, and so you listen, right? And when you're doing a mirror meditation, you're basically listening to yourself. And as I say, you know, it's about friggin' time that mm. you can look at yourself and be kind and be present. Val, that's so moving. I know, I'm going to cry. so moving. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really wonderful. Well, it's hard to do because if you try it, you'll see you, I mean, what my experience when I first started was like, I, I, I felt like I was putting the make on myself, you know, I mean, it's just very creepy, but if you can be disciplined about it, I do think it can make a significant difference in the way you're, you see yourself. What are some of the columns of how not to fuck up your face that feel like iconic to you or that have felt like sort of totems of what you're doing. You know, it's so interesting that I I can't figure that out. I mean, hmm. I'll write something and I'll think, oh, this one is going to be, you know, the people. And then I'll write another one and I'll feel very insecure about whether it's going to move people. And it just recently this happened with um, the one I wrote about. It was the first one that I wrote when I mentioned my granddaughter who lives in Japan. Mm-hmm. I love right? that one. It got a huge huge response. And what was the, oh, I know the beauty aspect of that was like iPad face, right? Because the story (laughs) was, you know, she lives in Japan. I live here. Japan's closed its borders. I can't get in. I haven't seen them for two and a half years. Uh, This is my son and daughter-in-law and my granddaughter. And they are very devoted to me. They call me almost every day. So my granddaughter's now, last time I saw her, she was 10 months. She's going to be four at the end of next month. But she knows me because I'm just this head on the iPad and she carries me around the house and we have conversations. <laughs> but there was no other beauty aspect to that post except iPad face. And it wasn't even about how to look good on an iPad. It was about my experience as the Velveteen Grammy. So, <laughs> But it also was about 
being grateful for what yes, you have right. and just like appreciating right. like what the moment for what it is and, you know, not being woe is me that I haven't gotten to see her, which is a woe is me thing. But like, how amazing is it that I still get to talk to right. her every day and see her in right. some capacity? Right, right. Which is what I try to do in every post. In some way, it's my intention to try to communicate some positive aspect of, uh, you know, why it's worth being alive. And, you know, beauty is is kind of like maybe beauty is the pencil or something. You know what I mean? It's it's a vehicle sometimes. Sometimes it's it's actually, you know, I have to think of a way to kind of bring it in like I did with the post I did was about, oh, one of the things, I mean, talking about things that you love, you know, I discovered audiobooks a little late mm-hmm. and I had originally started to listen to um, the Wolf Hall trilogy. Guys, if you haven't listened to it with Ben Miles, oh my God, it's unbelievable. Hillary Mandel wrote it. And yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just incredible. And it's like, you know, 600 hours of books. They shouldn't even allow somebody my age to take it out of the <laughs> library because, you know, who knows? Well, we'll live long enough to finish it. Anyway, it was, it was just fantastic. So then I got hooked on audiobooks. And, and then the, there was other, this other trilogy that I found of my own making, which was, oh, it was a Michael Pollan book about psychedelics. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How to Change Your How Mind. How to Change Your Mind. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And then Man's Search for Meaning that a friend had suggested that I read. I had no idea how rough that one was going to be. That's Victor. What's his name? I can't remember his last name, but it's about living in a concentration camp mm-hmm. and, you know, finding a reason to be alive uh, still. Oh, and then the other one was, you know, uh, Tyson's book on uh, the universe. It's like uh, physics for dummies. Tyson. Yeah. Tyson, yeah. 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 Physics for yeah. Dummies. So mm-hmm. I read these three books and I'm writing about these three books and I'm like, shit, how am I going to make this into anything that has to do with beauty? And I was just thinking about it because I like to write about what's on my mind. And I had gone into a CVS and uh, cause I needed um, an eyelash curler and I needed oh, something else, lipstick, maybe I don't remember. Anyway, and I was listening to Man's Search for Meaning. And at the moment I was listening to it, he was describing, you know, people starving to death and, you know, sleeping with dead bodies. And, and I'm listening to this and staring at, you know, the CVS full, fully stocked counters of cosmetics. And it was the weirdest kind of most out-of-body experience. And it struck me in that moment that, that what I was searching for, first I thought, oh, what an awful person I am, you know, like I'm listening to this horrible, I'm not, and I'm not somewhere, you know, like in Tanzania trying to save people's lives. And then I thought, but wait, these little things that I'm buying, they're, they're you know, I'm, first of all, I can afford everything I'm, I want. I walked here by myself in a, on a beautiful day. I mean, it just brought out to me all of the depth of the joy from little tiny things, you know, that of course, the people that, you know, were being described in, in Man's Search for Meaning had nothing of anymore. And it just made me think about how important it was to enjoy little luxuries like an eyelash curler and lipstick, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is, everything's related. Indeed. It didn't, right? Didn't even feel yeah. like a stretch. <laughs> yeah, no, everything's related. That's right. That's right. Did you bring some thingies with you to recommend to our audience? You know, besides the audiobooks, mm-hmm. actually, there were there were a couple of audiobooks I wanted to mention. Please, please, please do you want all of them. We've been yeah. big into audiobooks recently, yeah. really? especially celebrity memoirs. That's oh, like that's so weird because I don't know why I've been drawn to that. I was too. 
I can't explain it. I can't explain it. Okay, so speaking of celebrity memoirs, I couldn't, this has happened to me a number of times. It just happened to me recently. So I took out uh, Hermione Lee's book on Tom Stoppard, right? Mm, mm -hmm. Or Mm. as I always call him, Tom Stoppard. I didn't know. I I say Tom Stoppard too. So everybody else called, or she says Stoppard. Stoppard. Anyway. Okay. I loved it, but I couldn't finish it because I, they took it away before I could finish it. I mean, it's oh, about 10,000 words long. Right. Yeah. But that was really, really fun to listen to. And then I was trying to find other, you know, interesting biographies uh, to listen to. And I listened to, um, oh no, I, I actually read this one. I read the Mike Nichols biography. Oh, I want to read that. I read like, yeah. I read like a third of it. It was yeah. just so much. I couldn't get through really? it. Um, I love yeah, it. but people love yeah. it. Love it. I loved it. Yeah, you liked it. I did. It. Yeah. And then because I liked his writing, I read who was it again? The guy who wrote it. I can I could tell you if I could. Um, it oh. It's on my coffee table. Um, mm-hmm. But he wrote another book about the movies. Television. Yeah, right. It movies, was about right, movies right, right. in the in the seventies or in the seventies, I think, and it was all about you know Warren Beatty and other you know big names. Have you ever read Neil Simon's autobiography? No, is it it's good? It's so good. It's called Rewrites. I read it eight, like when I was a kid and like super theater geek, but there's a lot of Mike Nichols stuff in it. So I feel like you might, oh, it might cool. be a good, good sequel well, to that. Or pre- now companion. That I, companion. Yeah, because I loved the Mike Nichols book and I really, I think Diane Sawyer is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I started mm-hmm. to read mm-hmm. Sheila Weller's book about Katie Couric, Christian Amnapur and Diane Sawyer. Oh, amazing. And it's really fun. That um, sounds really fun. It's, yeah, I would be same, into that. It's really, really well reported. She's a great reporter. Interesting. And I wish I could remember the name of it, but maybe you could, you guys can. We'll find it. We'll dig it up. Yeah. Could you, yeah. I also want you to start including all of the, like, maybe there's just uh, a thing, a bullet at the end of every one of your newsletters about what you're reading right now, because I, these are good recs. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, want to you know, know what you're reading. Uh, sure. And actually, sometimes I think about doing that, but then sometimes I'm like, you know, well, who, who's going to be interested in what I want to read? I just basically. like that you're, we are. I'm interested and it's not what everybody else is reading. It's like, True. I like that. I just, in fact, I just tried to finish Overstory, which a number of people have recommended mm-hmm. to me. Again, it's, it was way long and they, and the book, I lost the book before I could finish it. <laughs> it was really, really good. And, and the hair with the amber eyes, the old bestseller came out several years ago. I it's, don't know about it's, this one. Oh, it's I don't know what's that about. Not? Oh my god. It's about Natsuki, you know, those little Japanese figurines. They're mm-hmm. these tiny little fat uh, figurines made out of ivory or wood sometimes and they were very well known in Japan around the turn of the 20th century. So like around the Belle Epoque area, I mean era. Yep. And it's the story about this guy who traces his whole family history through a collection of Natsuki that moves from one person in his family to another. It's really well-written and really fun to read and uh, very evocative, which also reminds me of another fantastic book that I read that I love, which was All the Light We Cannot See. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. God, it was mm-hmm. so beautiful. And then someone uh, touted me to the fact that he, uh, he was given a pre Rome, the writer, to write that book. And when he was able to use the Prix de Rome his, and move to Rome for a year. Yeah. His wife had just given birth to twins. And so they moved to Rome with these like six-month or three-month-old twins or something. And 
And he couldn't write the book. He couldn't write the novel he was there to write because it was too, you know, chaotic. And he wound up writing a, a memoir of the time that he was there during that year, basically. Huh. Huh. And it's really good. It's really fun. I didn't know my brother it's in an entirely different field. And he, he also won that prize. So I feel like I need to tell wow. him about it so he can oh. read this book about somebody else's experience there. Well, he also writes a bit about, you know, the building that the pre-derome artists and it's writers. Incredible. We went and visited my brother. Did you? It's so special. Yeah. No, it yeah. sounded like it. It sounded like it in the book. So it's really also really fun to look to, uh, to read. Well, it's amazing because they, they, you're, well, the building itself is amazing, but they, the American Academy of Rome gives these prizes to people in all of these different disciplines. So it's historians and architects right. and writers. And my brother was there at the same time as Carrie Mae Weems. And so would just like when we went to oh. visit him, we had breakfast with her. And I was like, what? I, <laughs> yeah. like incredible. And Laurie Anderson came to give a talk. And it's just, just like incredibly uh, so, cross-disciplinary yeah, exactly. and all of that. It, yeah. And, and yeah. really special and yeah, and, and warm and so unique. cool. What And what does your brother do? He was a historian at the time that he uh -huh. was there and he actually met his wife there who's yeah. also a historian yeah uh-huh that's yeah. very cool mm -hmm. yeah I love Val when you're talking about these books that you're like and then they took it away <laughs> um, because I it's very relatable as a like library app user to be like but but I had yeah. like 30 minutes yeah. left yeah I know I know and actually with the last one so I've also tried to read a few Virginia Woolf books because they're shorter mm. right yes and you know like the last one they actually they they the they didn't catch up with um, where I was in the book, and so I thought, oh, thank God, you know, I'm I have like 30 minutes left, right? And now I can and and so I clicked onto it, and this pop up came up that said, oh, sorry, we were wrong, we took it away. What? What? That's what I said. Well, what? so Erica turned. Are me you on. okay? Yeah. Are you reading it on a Kindle? No. All right. Okay. No. That's my my trick is limited to Kindles, unfortunately. Which is, but basically, yeah. Okay. If you read it on a Kindle and you turn off your Wi-Fi on the Kindle, yeah. they can't take it back. Oh. There's no way for them <gasps> right, to take it back. They can't get it, right? But they if you're listening it, to it on a phone it. or something that you need your phone connectivity. Yeah. But I I had something like this happen last week and I was desperate to also start another book at the same time <laughs> and had to turn my Wi-Fi on and I lost the other book. And you Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I guess, I mean... I don't like taking I, I I don't like taking books out of the library anymore just because it yeah, I mean physical books out of yes. the library. Yeah. So yeah. you know, taking audiobooks out seems so fantastic to me, but I, you know, I don't have the control over it that I would yeah. like. They've got to come up with some option for you to renew or something. Well, you can put a hold on it is what you can do, but yeah. I think then you have to wait. That's the thing. No, when I when this yeah. book last week got taken away from me. I'll tell you what it was. I like that we all feel so burned. By yeah, this free seriously. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, it was. I when I went back to try to get it again, it said, "Cool, it'll be a seven week hold because this book had gotten a lot of attention recently," and I was yeah. so irritated. Yeah. What book was it? So I'll tell you, it was Intuitive Eating, <laughs> which when I downloaded it had no hold whatsoever. But then because then it was I, that was sometime in December, and then come the new year and and you know there's always diet talk and all of that and I think it had gotten highlighted in the New York Times even though this book's been around forever it all of a sudden I think has gotten uh, renewed attention and so now I, so I just bought it yeah good thank you so much to Zocdoc for sponsoring today's episode. 
You know what question drives me insane? When you call to make a doctor's or a dentist appointment and they start the process by asking, when would you like to come in? <laughs> Which presupposes that it is up to you. And like that you it might be as like simple as the that. time, just like right. 9 a.m. next Thursday. How's that for everyone? It's so nutty to me. When would you like to come in? And then you do this thing where you're like, well, the earliest appointment you have available, as long as it's before March 26, and only if it's on a Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday, if it's on a Monday or Wednesday, then I'd like something in as late as you have. And it's ridiculous. Or there's this other thing where you like pick, you're like, oh, like how about Friday morning? And they'll be like, oh, well, the doctor's not in on Fridays, mm. Mondays, or Wednesdays at this office. And you're like, well, then why did we, why did you ask? Like, what <laughs> why is did, this? Why did we start there? How about you start with <laughs> when I might be able to come in and we'll work backwards from there. And God bless SockDoc. You don't have to do any of this. You can just look at people's calendars. I love because I tend to just wait until the last minute to make these doctor's appointments, just searching like, here's this sort of like general geographic region I want to be in. Here's when I want to go. Show me who has availability and who takes my insurance. That's right. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Just download the free ZocDoc app at ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two for the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and they're all available when you need them. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash a thing or two to download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Thank you so much to Native for sponsoring today's episode. I feel like we're only doing so much of a service with this ad read because I do think that everybody knows that Native <laughs> is the go-to aluminum-free deodorant. I mean it. I just feel like everybody's our listeners clued it. in. They know. They don't need. I yeah. do. Yeah. I just think that when people started caring about deodorant and wanting aluminum-free deodorant, everybody got on the same page and was like, okay, we're all doing Native, right? Like that's what we're doing. That's the one that works. Well, but knowing, but knowing of something doesn't mean people have tried it. You know what I mean? Well, now is the time. Now, now is, is the, the time. time to try it because it works. Oh, good. way to way to go. Way to go. Okay, <laughs> so native deodorant checks a lot of boxes. Aluminum-free, 24-hour odor protection, zero residue on your skin, and over 10 cents to choose from. We love the eucalyptus and mint, and their coconut vanilla scent has been a customer favorite for years. And we feel like you like definitely need to know that they have an unexpected collaboration going right now with Baked by Melissa, <laughs> which is, you know, the those itty bitty cupcakes, um, those tiny little cupcakes that often have like a tie dye frosting. They collaborated with native, the deodorant company. And you're going to have to go look at all the, the scents. You're going to have to, I'm, I'm sorry. Also, if anybody wants to go try it and report back to us, we'd appreciate a voicemail about it or a DM. Oh my gosh, please, 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 please. So Native creates products that are made with simple ingredients like shea butter and coconut oil so you can smell great all day long. And now Native is on a mission to overhaul your entire hygiene routine. So they've added body wash, bar soap, toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner, and sunscreen. Everything you need. This year, up your personal hygiene routine with Native. Go to nativedo.com slash a thing or two and use the promo code a thing or two at checkout to get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash a thing or two, or use the promo code a thing or two at checkout for 20% off your first order. You and I were talking about how in like 2022 mm -hmm. is going to be the year of, intu of intuitive, of like intuitive eating, eating becoming just like the mainstream way that talk we talk, about. that people talk about. 
food stuff, like the sort of anti-dieting. Have you heard of this, Val? I kind of. I mean, it is what it sounds like. I avoided it for a really long time. And I, I mean, for complex and obvious reasons, probably because I just didn't want to read a book about food and nutrition and dieting or anti-dieting. But basically intuitive, the thesis of intuitive eating is that dieting, you know, does not ever work, that studies show that people will always binge if they're restricted in any way. And it does not make sense to to diet or restrict yourself in any way. It pairs this with a sort of like body positivity, anti-dieting mentality. And part of the sort of approach to what they call intuitive eating is that you must completely reject dieting culture outright, which I think is a fairly impossible thing to do for reasons we Mm. talked about at the beginning of this episode. And that you need to just uh, sort of embrace what your body is telling you it wants to eat. And if you will do that, you will naturally move towards a sort of place of moderation and you will eat in a way that is is what your body wants, essentially. And that is really reducing it. I think the general approach makes a lot of sense to me. And, and it talks a lot about how like the wellness industry has sort of co-opted dieting and said, you know, it's no longer, you're no longer dieting, you're just detoxing or you're doing these elimination diets. And because they understand that the idea of a diet feels sort of outdated and retrograde at this point. And and now it's just about, you know, these other forms of orthorexia or whatever. (laughs) And so I, I think there's a lot to be gained from. I found it really interesting so far and useful, even if I can't, if I don't feel like I can sort of embrace it wholeheartedly or or I I find it, it challenging at points. But you may can understand why in the middle I decided I wanted to also download a, a romance novel that, <laughs> that I was interested in because right. it's a little bit, it's not like the most exciting book. <laughs> right, right. But the, the thing about intuitive eating, I mean, um, what if you feel like eating uh, chocolate all day? So their, point, so their point is if you've been telling yourself you can't have chocolate, let yourself have chocolate. And if you, you, and if you let your, and and let yourself eat chocolate all day, you aren't going to want to eat chocolate all day, every day, forever. You will get to a point where you know that if you're allowed to have chocolate, you can stop eating it once you've uh, sort of satisfied your craving for it. And a lot of this, it's also, it has, it uh, crosses over a lot with the idea of mindful eating. Like they're very similar, not the entirely the same thing, but getting a little bit back to, again, some of the stuff you were talking about at the beginning and this idea of like mindfulness and really listening to yourself and seeing yourself and being like, do I want this chocolate? Because I have this idea that I'm never going to be able to have it again. So I have to keep eating it. Do I want this chocolate because I'm like sad and lonely? And I think that chocolate is going to somehow solve that. Or do Mm -hmm. I need to actually call my friend? of like complex psychological feelings mm-hmm. I have about chocolate and self-soothing. Right. Right. So I did, right. I did sort of leave that out at the beginning that, that a big part of it is being mindful <laughs> and aware and really trying to sort of like understand what's driving your food choices. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I mean, there's a great uh, parallel between that and your beauty choices, your choices yeah. about how, you know, how you take care of yourself. And uh, there's this wonderful, wonderful reporter. Her name is Jess DeFino. Do you know who she is? Jessica DeFino? Mm-hmm. Oh, she writes a mm-hmm. great substack. It's called The Unpublishable. Hmm. And she says um, something like, you know, what she publishes, what the beauty industry doesn't want you to know. I mean, she's, she's totally, she's a radical. And she's, I, I think I like to think of her, you know, like the, um, I think I called her the Bob and Bob Woodward and Bernstein of uh, the beauty industry or something. She's a really good reporter, hmm. but she, she writes about that a lot, but yes, yeah, so, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the parallels between dieting and beauty, I mean, the beauty culture 
affects women in a very similar way. You have this idealized vision of how everybody's supposed to look and, you know, what these, what your goals are supposed to be. And there are these various things that you're supposed to do from, you know, washing your face to, you know, to moisturizing it, to whatever else you're going to do to it that are part of a culture that, you know, it always brings you back to the same point, which is, buy something else. Right. Right. It's, it's never going to be enough. You're never right. going to feel like, well, now I look perfect. No, right. I've done all the things. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah. that's exactly why they, you know, why they do it because mm-hmm. it's just to keep you in, in that cycle, just yeah. the way the di- dieting cycle, you know, does it, does it to you about your body. Right. There are, I, I am noticing a lot a more body relationship, you know, people out there, mm-hmm. you know, on, yeah. on yeah. social media. Just good. That's what I'm writing about in the post that's going to come out next Tuesday. Again, it had to do with a friendly exchange I had with Jessica about something. And my point is, is that, you know, we can be aware of the ways we're, you know, adversely affected mm. overtly and covertly by mm-hmm. the beauty culture and still participate in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cause it's very, yes. you can't tell women. I mean, I, I, I would never myself say I'm, I'm just like stopping everything. I'm just right. going to splash water on my face. I'm not going to put on any <laughs> lipstick. You know, I'm not going to do my eyebrows. My That's my thing. I'm not going to get my hair done. I mean, you, you just can't. It's not realistic. Right. If you want someone well, to be Well, it's happy. not even necessarily desirable. Like, it's not even necessarily the point. That's right. Why? That's right. a great point, yeah. Erica. Why? Why would, you know, <laughs> uh, because it's fun. I mean, it can be fun. Yeah, it can be fun. That's it. That's it. It's not fun um, if you believe the notion that it's going to make you a happy person. Uh, you know, I mean, if. That's exactly it. If you're uh, relying yep. on your beauty, you know, on, on your appearance to make you a happy person, it's not going to work. Do you have anything else you would like to recommend to our audience? Mm. Gee, let me think. I, th- I wrote a couple of things down that I, that I, oh yes. There was one thing that was beauty related that I thought might be interesting. First of all, tell us, you know, how important it is to wear sunscreen, right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, so we're committed. Oh, good, good. So and I, I actually can tell by looking at your faces that you are, you're both. That, wow. you're both that might be the zoom yeah. lens. <laughs> oh, right, really? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So I had a treatment because I had skin cancer on my face. Me uh, too. Mm. You did? did basal cell? Yeah. Uh, but yes, exactly. Basal cell okay. carcinoma. Good. Yeah. I yeah. had it two summers ago. I had, I mean, you can't see because again, zoom, but I have a scar. Yeah. I had to get Mohs surgery. That's funny. That's where mine is too. Like really? on the side of my, my nose. My mom had yeah, it on exactly her nose. Right there. Yeah. Oh, too. Wow. But there's this treatment where your face is painted with a kind of acid. And I had to, I have to, had to make a note because I call it ALA acid, but I'm not sure that's correct. But if people actually are listening to this, they should know it's called amino levulinic acid. Okay. And, okay. and then you're put under these lights for like, I don't know, 12 minutes or something. And it's, there are a lot of studies that show that it helps prevent recurrences hmm. of basal cell huh. and squamous cell skin cancers. And, and I actually had these rough spots on my face. Claire, if you want to know, I can, I can also, yeah. I can send it to you. I had these rough spots on my face that I thought were potentially precancerous. And that what they do is, you know, they, they scrub your face with alcohol, like mm-hmm. rubbing alcohol, which burns like hell. And then they paint this acid on it, which also burns. And you just sit mm-hmm. there for a while, like an mm-hmm. hour or so. And then, and then they put you under, under the lights. And then I wrote about this, actually. I, came, I, think the, I think I called the column, I think I called the post, how to fuck up your face. And then the, <laughs> yeah. the subhead is like, um, you know, hooray, it's opposite we'll day. We'll take this Yeah, for, you don't yeah. find it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I couldn't believe how, what it did to my skin. How really? it like- totally took all that stuff off. 
And some people do it once a year. Some people do it every couple of years. But I think, you know, if you, right, if you've had it and you don't want to get it again, it's a good preventative. That is, and it's good for just sun damage in general. It's good for sun damage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, but Uh I think it's, Uh it's intrusive if you're, if you just want to treat, you know. Was there uh, downtime afterwards? Did you have did your feeling? Well, you'll see, I posted what it looked like right after it looked like my face was like on fire mm-hmm. and that lasted yeah. for about three yeah. days. And then I peeled for a little bit. Okay. Not, it wasn't terrible, hmm. not at all. And, but I have to say, I, 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 I'm really impressed by the, uh, the quality of the skin, huh. what the skin looks afterwards. Yeah. So that's a one treatment. Is there like an SPF level you like or a type of application or anything when it comes to sunscreen? Yeah. So SPF 30 is what, uh, doctors say typically is the, is the least you should use for years and years. I wore SPF 15 and I didn't think of, it was a big deal, but who knows, you know, mm-hmm. that's skin cancer. So I, I wear SPF 30 now. And a number of doctors have said that it's probably better to use the physical sunscreen, which is zinc or, uh, you know, the, the, the ones that look kind of chalky rather yep. than chemical sunscreens, because they're less irritating to the skin. They kind of work better because they, they, they form an actual physical block. It. It's a physical yeah, block. Yeah. Right. So those basically, when people ask me what, what I prefer, I would say, you know, a physical sunscreen rather than chemical. I yeah. have something to recommend that I just, it was an impulse buy. I was, I buy, I've been buying super goop face sunscreen and I just as an add to cart impulse got their defense refresh resetting mist, which is a tiny little purse sized like, and I think it's aerosol sprayer that has, made me really good about reapplying before I go outside during the day because normally I just put it on in the morning and I never really right. put it on again before I, you know, when later in the day, even though they say you're supposed to reapply every couple of hours. But this, because it's it doesn't mess up your makeup, you don't have to rub it in. It's just this spray and you're done. And it's a, so tiny and always in my purse. I've been very, so much better, especially while I've been out here in LA where it is sunny all the time about refreshing. It's more sunscreen in the spray. Yeah, it's yes, sorry. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's aerosol because I and I say that only because it is it, this it's such a like nice mist. It's a really yeah. misty in that way where you don't yeah. feel like you're screwing up your face or like you have to rub it. You do not have to rub it in. I wonder if I can actually. Yeah, I'm interested to know what that is. I, I actually when I travel, I use one of the color science SPF 50 uh brushes sunscreen brushes, brushes. yeah mm, yeah we love, we love the brushes those. the brushes are so oh they're good. so great so and they come you know they're like i don't know six inches mm-hmm. and not not very big and they come in lots of different shades and they come in 30 spf 30 spf 50 which is one i use now and they're great for like if you're walking around outside in another country or anywhere like in the sun they're great because you just like put them on in two seconds and they give really good protection mm-hmm yeah, no, I've even had that experience of walking around and starting to see like, oh, a, a little sun on my shoulder yeah. or something and just being able yeah. to, yeah, whip that out. Yeah, I love um, those. Yeah. yeah do you have, yeah. Do you have wonderful. any sort of spray tan or powder bronzers or anything you like to make up for the lack of sun? <laughs> you know, really, I, especially for somebody who, who has really fair skin the way mm-hmm. you do, mm-hmm. I would say like run in the opposite direction <laughs> of a bronzer because, and instead, you know, just try to highlight the the beauty of your skin. I, I actually like I'm, you know, going to when I care enough, I guess is the way I should put it. I mix a little bit of uh, Laura Mercier tinted moisturizer mm-hmm. in with my regular moisturizer. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, uh, two thirds of regular moisturizer to one third of Laura Mercier. 
Mm-hmm. And it, I don't wear foundation, but it gives my skin Some a nice glow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also, it also kind of evens the color out, you yeah. know, even it yeah. looks more even toned. Mm-hmm. I always like to tell women, especially women as, as they're getting older to not to use foundation because mm-hmm. except I have to say, I haven't used it in a long time, but Laura Geller, whose ad campaign I wrote very un, uh, in a very unfriendly way about recently, she makes a, a, a baked foundation kind of cake hmm. that huh. uh, older women say they love, which is brush on. I've never tried it, but um, it looks really good. Interesting. But I, huh. I don't use it. That's interesting. Do you have any other thingies for us that we need to know about? I don't think so. I mean, I may think of something when I get off, but <laughs> I mean, this well, these were all tremendous. So, good. so, so many good reading recs yeah. too good. that I yeah. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad. Uh, one thing I have to tell you that maybe as a last thing, you see this scarf. Please, mm-hmm. I yes. recommended this a couple of months ago, and one of my friends um, who reads the newsletter did followed my instructions. She was so happy. There's a uh, a the company called Toka, T-O-C-C-A. Mm-hmm. It's, a, yeah. it's a soap, uh-huh, uh-huh, soap uh-huh. and a scent company. Yeah, 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 they yeah. have a, a laundry soap called Flo- uh, Firenze, I think, or maybe it's called Florence. I think it's called Firenze. And I wash my scarf in it, in the sink, and then, you yeah. know, just hang it to dry in the shower. And then when I go outside, I have this amazing smell, you know, because I've wrapped it around my neck. It's so delicious. As, as I say in the- And you're like truly enveloped Oh, in yeah, it. because, yeah. you know, it's, you have to use <laughs> yeah. enough soap, but it really uh, is a nice touch, as I said, you know, especially if you're drowning and down, you know, it's nice to have this kind of spring-like, it's got, it's a very, it's a very light floral scent, but it's just, it's just delicious and it smells really good around your neck. I once borrowed, a, I was leaving my- uh, great, my late great aunt's house, and she didn't think I was warm enough, and she gave me a scarf, and I wrapped it around me, and it smelled so much like her, oh. and I will never get rid of it, even though I don't yeah. <laughs> like never wear it, because it's the best feeling to wrap the scarf around and smell something, you know, like have that, yeah. that scent waft up. Yeah, yeah, scent is scent is. I love scent. I mean, I don't. I'm not wearing a lot of it lately, obviously, but but I love the creation of scent. I mean, that some some of the um, people I got to know when I was the beauty director at Oprah uh, were noses and mm. they're just fascinating mm. people you know they're like composers yeah yeah totally one of my favorites is is francis kirk john and he now i think he's doing he may be the uh creating the sense that like dior or one of those big houses but he has his own maison you know and his fragrances are magnificent can i ask something entirely self-serving and what about your hair because it's so beautiful and looks so effortless <laughs> and so shiny and nice thank you I'm so vain about my hair it's, it looks really beautiful. it pays off it looks wonderful <laughs> thank you so I was don't stop being yeah, vain about it it's great well, it's I have to say there's there's two reasons one is because I'm kind of a jerk about it but two is I believe that as we get older uh one of the things that's that is, uh, you know, that can keep us looking vibrant and, and healthy is kind of like, is youthful hair. Yes. And that means, you know, it moves. I have an amazing hairstylist who fortunately comps me, he doesn't comp me completely, but he, he gives me a nice discount because I could never afford him if I, uh, if he weren't my friend and a fantastic colorist, Marie Lepard at, Julian Farrell Salon. She does balayage. That is so I can't tolerate a single process. I can't, don't want anything sitting on my scalp. 
because uh-huh, she paints uh-huh. around the gray and white and brown in my hair in a way that I think is very artistic. The color's beautiful. It looks it wonderful. I I want Thank I'm you. gonna start coloring my hair soon because I've been getting a lot of grays and keep putting it off because I just don't want bad highlights. Um, yeah. So. so I highly recommend her. I mean, she's, I, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, a really good haircut mm-hmm. does a lot for, um, you know, for your overall appearance, no matter what the rest of you looks like. It's true. It so true. It's so true. Everybody needs to sign up for how to not fuck up your face right now. It's just so good. That's the show. Hey, Claire and Erica, this is Brittany forever listener of the podcast. And I really enjoyed your recent episode on working smarter, not harder, also on acknowledgement sections. And I have something that's a flavor of this, which is in every Pixar movie at the very end, there's a title that just says babies, or maybe it's production babies. And then it's a list of first names of all the babies that were born to anyone who worked on that Pixar movie in the years that it was being created. Um, someone has set up a wiki for this, I think, and may- or maybe it was a subreddit thread that I found charming. But when my husband and I were expecting our first child this year, it became like this obsession to be like, ooh, what were the names in, you know, 2000 to 2005 when, you know, up or whatever was being made. Um, so take a dive into production babies. It's a great, uh, you know, flavor of the acknowledgement section that just brings some personality and fun to this huge undertaking that we forget takes years and so many hundreds of people to make happen. Love you guys. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com.